everybody, and welcome to Podcast by Committee, your most favorite podcast here on the Athletic Network of Podcasts ever. I'm Nana Dafino, and today we're doing things a little bit differently. Um, because it's it's basically the start of the season, most drafts are over. By the time you listen to this, hopefully you're already stressing the week one waiver wire, which, by the way, Jake Seeley has an article up. Um, and also an excellent one by Emery Hunt on the, uh, the six players who survived the 53-man cutdown who might have a fantasy impact. So now that we're into pickup mode for the most part, um, we figured we'd take a quick break from bothering uh, a lot of our traveling writers. Um, and me and Beller, we're going to do just a fantasy show. So Michael Beller, who's been here for every show behind the scenes, uh, has been referenced several times. Welcome officially to the other side of podcast by committee. Yeah, thanks, Nando. It feels good. I've heard all the questions. I've got a lot of good intel from my own drafts from all of our beat writers. So uh, it's exciting to get in front of the microphone for one of these before I skulk back into the shadows next week. <laughs> well, look, I uh, I crafted this rundown. I didn't send it to you because I wanted to play some games and, and just get like your, your gut reaction on a lot of things. Um, but I also wanted to go through some of these deep names that we heard. Uh, I had been making a list. I, I was very serious about this. You know, as people were saying these names that sounded interesting to me, like Chris Conley or uh, Terry McLaurin, I popped in my notepad. I got my little AK notepad on my phone, and I would write the names down. So um, all these players, as far as I know, survive the cuts. So I kind of wanted to get into them a little bit. In fact, one of them, uh, Dontrell Hilliard, who we got in the Cleveland show, um, even before Duke Johnson was traded, uh, is the most added player in CBSSports.com league. So how about we start there, Beller? Let's do it. I'm ready. Zach Jackson coming with the uh, Intel. What was that, like a month ago? Six weeks ago was, almost? Yes. Yeah, so you know what? It's all like I was looking back and when we released our draft kit, and I'm like, oh, that was June. That long ago. Holy crap. It just like got <laughs> super smushed together. Yeah. It always does, right? But it's good. Like it's, you take a marshmallow and you squish it down. Uh-huh. That's what I feel like June 17th until today has been. <laughs> so You get one really tasty bite. Yeah. I have no reference of time. <laughs> But that's that. Yeah, it feels like it was about five or six weeks ago. Yeah. Talking back. Um, so I was going to Dontrell Hilliard because I, I was surprised that he was the most added player in CBS leagues. Um, I guess it makes sense as you're now the backup to Nick Chubb. Um, and Zach was saying, you know, Hilliard, keep an eye on him. He's got some skills the team likes a lot. Um, I don't know. Man, is there a league deep enough for you to get Hilliard? If you're a Chubb owner, how about this? If you're a Chubb owner, are you grabbing Dontrell Hilliard? If I'm a Chubb owner, then, I, yeah, I could see going after him. But even that would have to be a relatively deep league. I'm not a huge fan of handcuffing guys early in the season uh, just because of the way it uh, restricts your overall roster upside. Uh, like maybe being able to use those on some other lottery tickets elsewhere. Uh, you know, No disrespect to Dontrell Hilliard, of course, but if Nick Chubb were to get hurt, the Nick Chubb owner is probably going to be in trouble even if he or she has Dontrell Hilliard uh, on the roster. So I, uh, for me, it would still have to be a pretty deep league where it's almost like there's no one else out here I really want anyway. Might as well handcuff my top back. It just feels like that way for for a lot of these guys that we were really getting into the weeds and and going to be have to be leagues where you're really drafting deep, whether it's 16 teams or whether you just have very deep rosters in your league. Did you find yourself picking up more players from the teams of the people we talked to? Because I did that. Oh, I, I don't know if inadvertently, but I'm like, oh, yeah, I have yeah. way too many. Yeah, these are well, all the shows. Yeah, totally. I mean, for, for no other reason than like we heard about him and like we talked about him. Uh, obviously, we do our own preparation for our drafts, but like this served as natural preparation as well. So we heard so much about him and we were able to picture in our mind's eye what sort of roles they might be having. So, uh, yeah, I definitely have uh, 
more Eagles than I maybe would have expected to have, more Jaguars than I would have expected to have because of all the shows that we did here. I jumped Miles Sanders up like 30 spots on my on my personal board um, because of that Eagles show. Which- uh I think I did almost exactly the same thing on my most important team, home league with friends. We're in year number 22. Uh, I am very committed to the Eagles with Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders. And uh, it's a super flex league. Uh, So, you know, we got a little bit deeper there, too. But uh, Miles Sanders was one of my fastest risers. And I think we owe a lot of that to uh, Zach Berman and the Philly show. Yeah, uh, Darius Geis did the same thing for me, too, actually. It was Sanders and Geis. I've I've. Wasn't even considering them early on, and now it's like, oh, they're on a lot of my teams, you know, post of these shows. Yeah, that was everything all right. Everything okay in Chicago? Everything's okay. It's a it's a very rainy day here. Um, overcast, gray, kind of ugly out there. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, I'm okay. Everything's good. Don't worry about that uh, ambulance that just went by. It's gone. I think we're we're (laughs) we're doing all right here. That was loud. Yeah, it's okay. We're good. It adds some flavor to everything. Yeah, there you go. you know, number two on my list was Jalen Samuels. And look, I didn't just write every name someone said, you know, like it, this right. was, these are these are players who kind of struck something in me. And I'm like, oh, at the very least, if I'm not going to put them on my team, uh, I'm going to have them on this list. So, you know, when, when something starts to happen, I'll know and I'll be able to strike before anyone else. And Jalen Samuels is actually a guy who is owned in a lot more leagues than I thought and was drafted a little higher than I thought. Um, and, you know, Mark, Mark Cabali was saying he's going to have a, a role like. People who, I guess people who liked Austin Eckler, if you thought that Melvin Gordon would have been back, should like Jalen Samuels, um, even though James Conner is there, right? Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a nice little comp there. I think where he's really going to make his bones, though, and Mark said this to us in some ways, is that he's going to be a much more active part of the passing game, right? I mean, the reason why I, that was one that I didn't necessarily go crazy for when Mark dropped it on us was just the fact that you know, Pittsburgh pretty much showed us how they're going to treat James Conner last year. I mean, this was a team that lost Le'Veon Bell and you didn't necessarily know if they if they were getting him back or when they would be getting him back. And they didn't ease James Conner into things at all. I mean, they just put him right into that Bell role, let him fly, and he flourished. So I don't see any reason why that won't be the case again this year. So I'm not sure that the carries are really going to be there for him. I do think he's an interesting pass catcher for that team with Antonio Brown gone and yeah, everyone – Everyone is excited about Vance McDonald, but we're still not totally sure about what he can be week in, week out. We know what Juju is, but that's where I see Jalen Samuels really getting involved with this team as being a, I don't know, 90 target guy, maybe 100, depending on how things go for him and how things go for Vance McDonald. And if Dante Moncrief or James Washington can can break through and, and be a consistent number two receiver, that's where he gets interesting to me. I just think James Conner is going to own the backfield. So, yeah, I think Jalen Samuels in a PPR league is going to get you a base of maybe nine to eleven points every week. Yeah, well, that's that, that's pretty uh, that's pretty ambitious, I think, for him. He seems like like one of those seven four forty guys to me. Uh, yeah. you know, like seven targets, four receptions, forty yards, just mm-hmm. kind of you know lost in the box score. Doesn't right, you right. know? Isn't isn't like theoretic, but uh, isn't nothing either. You know. But then that, that that sort of guy's got the feel of a like a bye week guy, right? You're not going to be starting him week one. You're happy once the bye weeks roll around to have him as an option to turn to. But I still think that it's going to take a Connor injury or Vance McDonald not quite hitting his uh, high end of his realistic window of expectations or uh, one of those receivers not really breaking through. I think you really need that for Jalen Samuels to be a consistent week in, week out fantasy option. True. Uh, I feel like we started too deep. So here's what I did. 
I prepared these 13 questions for you. There's some fill in the blanks, some over under, uh, you know, I think there's a mini rank in here, percent chance stuff. Maybe maybe I should go to those and we'll get back to these kind of deeper names because I'm listening to his talk now. I'm like, you know, someone just jumped off uh, if they they heard Dontrell (laughs) Hilliard and Jalen Samuels leading off the show. So (laughs) let me go back. Let me go back to my original number one. We just kind of got led into Dontrell Hilliard uh, by my brain. Sorry about that. (laughs) Freaking brain. Let's start with these questions. Uh, some over-unders, just random questions. Um, and what I want to do is take your answers, and I want to put them into a time machine of sorts, and we'll readdress this in you know five months. Okay. see how right we were. Okay? That, that works for me. All right, number one. Which Tampa Bay running back finishes the year with the most total yards? I have Daria Gunbowale on like three teams. Yeah. Um, he's the one I'm most excited about. I, I still feel like it's got to be Peyton Barber. And Peyton it's like, like, what a what a boring answer that is. I see. I, I don't. Th- I mean, fantasy football is kind of boring sometimes, man. <laughs> Peyton Barber could play a sixteen game season, you know, and have you know, twelve hundred total yards. I mean, that's the thing is that even if he doesn't get twelve hundred total yards, if he doesn't get hurt, they're not going to totally cut him out of the offense, right? There's like there's a very narrow window uh, for Agunbowale. To, I, I'm totally writing off Ronald Jones. There's a very narrow window for Agunba Wale to be the team's leading rusher. I totally think he could lead all those backs in receiving yards. I think he will lead those backs in receiving yards. But we're not. T- he's not going to be Christian McCaffrey all of a sudden. So even if even if a Peyton Barber has a horrible year, if he stays healthy, he's going to run for 750, 850 yards, right? And then throw in a couple of receptions, maybe get some to to a thousand. Like even in a worst case scenario, Peyton Barber is going to be a you know, 900 or a thousand total yard back. So I have no shares in him. I have no interest in him whatsoever. Uh, but I still feel like he's got to be, he's most likely to be the guy who leads that team in yards from scrimmage. You know, there's an interesting twist to all this. Um, uh, Greg Allman wrote a great story about Ronald Jones that I think it published this morning. Oh, I haven't like, seen that yet. I mean, it's you, you feel like the way we talk about, you know, players as these pieces on a chessboard, but like you feel like this humble guy, nice guy, you kind of uh-huh. want to root for him. And, you know, meanwhile, we're just kind of discarding him from this conversation. So yeah. Definitely not discarding Ronald Jones, the person, but we got to talk about uh, things from a fantasy perspective or they won't they won't keep paying us, Nando. Yeah, I know. I know. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting story that will make you feel bad <laughs> and you you for everybody. Now I feel um, really bad. You're, you're already making me feel bad. I haven't even clicked <laughs> on the story yet. Well, check out the story. Um, question number two. I'd like an over-under on Allen Robinson's receiving yards this season. I got him at 1275. 1275. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a big number for anyone. I am a big Allen Robinson fan. I think he uh has a great year. The thing that got lost in the shuffle with him and uh Kevin Fishbane was another guy who we had on the show during the uh, run up to the season uh, is that he forget about it just being year two with Matt Nagy. Forget about it being year two with Mitch Trubisky. He didn't have a training camp last year. He didn't have any summer with the Bears last year. First time he really suited up for the team was that week one game against the Packers that they uh, threw away on Sunday night football. So uh, this is a, coming off that ACL surgery. He just had to get thrown right into the fire week one against the team's biggest rival. Now he has a year two with Nagy, year two with Trubisky and OTAs, mini camp, training camp, did it all. So I really think that we're going to see a much better Allen Robinson. Uh, as as lofty a number as that is, I'll take the over on the twelve seventy five. Oh, really? I thought you were going to go under the way, hey, someone's the way gotta, you're talking that up. Look, look, I'd say this all the time, fantasy guys. We always want you know something to quantitative analysis of everything we do. We want these numbers, and because the, you know player X did this and then did this, here's why he can do this this season. 
you know, sometimes uh, a lot of times that works. And then sometimes Joey Gallo hits 50 home runs out of nowhere. So we got to believe in the, uh, in the ability of these rare special athletes to do rare special things. Someone is going to surprise us with a 1300 yard receiving season. Why not Allen Robinson? I like it. Uh, here's, here's another over under. I got a couple more over unders in a row here. Uh, LaShawn McCoy's total yards, 750. Mm. I'm going under. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And even if, uh, even though I'm going under, if I have a draft to uh, today, which I happen to have, I'm still happy to go after him because you always have to consider the uh, possibility of yourself being wrong. But I just, you know, Damian Williams really checked every box, really did everything that uh, the team asked of him last year. And, and I think that even with Andy Reid's relationship with LaShawn McCoy and the team bringing him in at this late stage, uh, that Damian Williams is still going to be the guy to an extent that really keeps LaShawn McCoy in a limited role. Uh, you know, that was two years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, that the Saints, yeah, it was two years ago, that the Saints brought in Adrian Peterson at this very similar stage. And people were like, oh no, what does this mean for Mark Ingram? What does this mean for the rookie Alvin Kamara? And Peterson was gone by week four. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's that same situation, but I'm saying just because of where this is, I mean, the team needed a back, right? I mean, they needed another back no matter what, especially after trading Carlos Hyde. So they needed to get another back there. I'm not sold on the fact that suddenly LaShawn McCoy is going to be a significant threat to Damian Williams' touch here. He's going to take some away, and certainly Williams' ceiling is down a little bit, but I don't think we're going to suddenly see LaShawn McCoy, a vintage season where he's putting up 1,200 yards from scrimmage. Uh, what do you think we're going to see from him then? Um, I mean, is, I, is, is this way high? Is this, are you thinking like 425? No, 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 no. 750 is, it feels like a, a, a really nice uh, number to throw out at the start of the season. And yeah, because of the relationship that he has with Andy Reid and because of how well the two of them know one another, I don't think they would be going after him if he was just purely insurance to Damian Williams and Darwin Thompson. But it, it's really just about the way that offense is. I mean, you got those two guys. You got Mahomes doing the Mahomes things. You got uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I mean, those are two legit wide receiver ones. You've got Sammy Watkins, who's going to catch some balls this year. I mean, there's just so many things happening in that offense that it's like, you know, not everyone, as good as that offense might be, not everyone can get 100 yards from scrimmage. So I could see that being a very appropriate number, right in that 700, 800 range for LaShawn McCoy. If you're sitting on Darwin Thompson, would you drop him for Jalen Samuels? No, I wouldn't. You hold on to him? I just want to be involved in that Kansas City offense. I mean, that's what it comes down to for me, that the Darwin, the Darwin Thompson types, the Jalen Samuels types, great, you know, great players in their own right, but so much of their success is tied to the offenses they play for. And if I've got a line of investment in Kansas City, I don't think I want to give it up before the season even starts. Fair enough. Um, what do you think the order is going to be? Is it going to be in terms of rush? You know, in terms of total yards. For those is three it, guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Darwin Thompson. All right. Uh, is it safe to say, and this is, this is not part of the questioning, but these are just little follow-ups here. Um, I want you because I want to walk down this this path with you. Damian Williams um, will have a good season. Are people underestimating him? It seems like you're a little more bullish on him than everyone else. You know, in all of fantasy. It's funny. I actually was uh, was more bearish on him than everyone else in our industry for the lion's share of the summer. Uh, like that little mixing of uh, of animal references there, bearish, <laughs> bullish, lion's share. But uh, I uh, because of this because like now just relative to. Uh, ADP. I feel like if if you are if you are still drafting, like I'm kind of higher on him now than I was a week ago because of the uncertainty dropping his price a little bit. I still think he is 
I thought he was overdrafted as a as a high end wide or a low end running back one. Reason being, he was just a guy in Miami for so long. He needed a uh, a, a suspension to Kareem Hunt and an injury to Spencer Ware to even get any sort of run in Kansas City. All credit where credit's due, he took full advantage of the opportunity when he got it. He got paid in the offseason, always a good sign. But I still just felt like you know this is a team that runs through Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill are the two biggest weapons on the offense. And they're not going to have necessarily much reason to have any loyalty to Damian Williams if he has a couple of bad games to start the season, if he loses a couple of crucial fumbles, uh, especially Andy Reid being a guy who is notorious for getting fumblers off the field. Uh, so th- I just thought there was more risk associated with him than was being priced in and that people were just thinking, look what he did those last few games of last season and in the playoffs and can't the Chiefs offense. This is going to be a 1,500 back with five t- 15 touchdowns. Uh, I thought there was more risk than that. Uh, but now uh, I still do think I always believed that he was a you know, top 15 back. I just didn't think he was necessarily a top 10 or a top 12 back. Uh, and I still think even with the uh, emergence of Darwin Thompson and the acquisition of LaShawn McCoy, that he should still be considered a top maybe 16, 17 back. I still feel comfortable with him as a solid running back too. Does his uh, kind of like nondescript Miami career, Does I mean, does that make you worry about Adam Gase a little bit? Like, oh, you had this guy. I mean, so let's just put yourself as someone who likes Damian Williams and live in a world where Damian Williams is good, um, which I, I think is fair considering what he did, you know, in the playoffs and like you said, in his last mm-hmm. few games in the regular season. Um, is, I mean, would you be like, look, this guy's obviously very talented. Um, on the highest powered offense in the NFL, he was like almost the centerpiece in a way. Um, geez, maybe Adam Gase really isn't that great of a coach if he's not recognizing that Damian Williams had this kind of potential. I think there's certainly an element of that. But for me, that that always makes me worry more about the player, um, especially when you're playing for a team like Miami, which you know didn't really have any standout offensive weapons. If you can't distinguish yourself over a full season, you can't distinguish yourself during the spring and summer when the coaches are taking good long looks at everyone on the roster, that makes me worry about the player uh, more than anything. And that's why I was lower on Williams at the start of draft season relative to the rest of our industry. Uh, right. I just think that uh, you expect the player to distinguish himself, to elevate his game, to show off what he can do when he's given the opportunity. Williams did it last year. And we don't know, you know maybe there's something in Kansas City's offense. Uh, maybe there's just something about you know being that next man up that late in the season and having fresh legs going against defensive players who'd been out there for 14 weeks. I mean, it could be some combination of all those factors. Uh, but it doesn't make me question Adam Gase too much. All right, Gase apologist. Moving on. <laughs> uh, speaking of Kansas City, I got a Kareem Hunt question here. I'd like an over-under on his total yards, which I have set at 550. I uh, will always, always take the under on a guy who we're not even going to see till Week 10. Who knows what he looks like Week 10? Who knows what the Browns look like Week 10? Uh, what they're going to be asking from him when he is ready to play uh, what Nick Chubb's going to sh- have shown them to that point of the season. Uh, that, and that's the reason why I have not been the slightest bit afraid of drafting Nick Chubb. Uh, and yes, Kareem Hunt's going to come back. He's going to be there week 10. They presumably want him to play some sort of role for this offense, but you know, week 10 is, I mean, we're talking almost Thanksgiving. Like that is an eternity from now in fantasy football terms. So I uh, was never worried about Kareem Hunt as uh, it relates to Nick Chubb. And I will take the under on anyone who we're not going to see till uh, we're all starting to carve turkeys. How far under are you on Kareem Hunt right now? I would put him at about 500. 
I mean, that, there's, there's oh, clearly not a, far again, right? Yeah, there's clearly an easy scenario where he blows that projection out of the water, but there's just so much risk inherent in a guy who's not going to play till then, and you know, maybe doesn't have his game legs. I mean, you can say one of a million things, but it all leads back to there's a lot of risk in a guy who's not going to play till week ten. Uh, so yes, I was out on Kareem Hunt entirely, in on Nick Chubb entirely coming into this year. D.D. Westbrook over under one thousand yards. Over easy. Yeah. Easy. No question right. about it. Someone's got to right. lead that team, right? Someone's got to lead that offense in receiving. It's going to be him. Everything we've heard everything uh, from, from our, from Philip Heilman, who covers uh, the Jags for us and was on podcast by committee a couple weeks ago, talking about him and Nick Foles, just having this, this connection with one another. And obviously if you look at what Nick Foles did in Philly, uh, players like DD Westbrook thrive with Nick Foles under center. I, I just think that that is, uh, a slam dunk. Give me. Uh, I've been trying to get D.D. Westbrook in every league. I have not been quite as successful in that effort as I wish I would have been. But I think he's going to be a great fantasy player this year. Are you okay with him as your wide receiver one? Like, if you wanted to go like running back, running back, tight end, running back, um, forget the format. Would you be like, okay, my maybe Allen Robinson and D.D. Westbrook are my one and two because I've been doing that on a lot of teams, and I look at my team when it's over, and I'm like, okay, well, I was able to get a running back in the first round, and then I got like you know. Either Kittle or not really Ertz, I guess just Kittle, because uh, I'm not I'm not early enough for Kelsey because I want that running back first. Mm-hmm. But I've been able to get Kittle a lot in the second round. Come back around, get another running back, get another running back, and then I'm like, all right, it's Allen Robinson time, and then come back around and get D.D. Westbrook. And I look at my first five and I, my first six, I guess, and it's, yeah. it's I like how my team looks. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah, or I would have to be, no. I would have to be coming out of that with like, geez, let's say. Um, I don't know, James Conner, George Kittle, Carrion Johnson, Aaron Jones, and those yeah. two receivers. Yeah, like for I, me, it was, I think it was Aaron Jones and Fournette. Yeah, I could, I, I'm not a Fournette guy personally. Um, because same of, idea, same theory. But yeah, same idea. Yeah, so uh, exactly. If I could come out with three backs like that, like basically, the best way to say it, three of like one of my top seven backs, two of my top 15 backs, three of my top 22 backs, and George Kittle, I would be, I would feel okay going into the season with uh, rolling out Allen Robinson and Al- and uh, D.D. Westbrook, excuse me, as my wide receiver one too. Because it's, I mean, these these are, you know, at the end of the year, and, and even in just like eight weeks, we'll be looking at this and saying, oh wow, these are two very obvious number one wide receivers. Like, how did we, you know, maybe next year they'll be top two rounds kind of guys, right? And that's the thing is that they're both going to like the, neither of them, I think, has any real competition to be the number one, not just wide receiver, but pass catcher on their teams. Uh, so that's a huge thing that's working in their favor. The Bears are expected to be good and expected to be better offensively. Jacksonville uh, is, you know, getting a lot of love in the uh, AFC Filippo. South. Yeah, with Filippo and with uh, that division seeming wide open after Andrew Luck's retirement. I mean, you could certainly see Jacksonville have at least a 9-7 and seven season, if not something better, and win that division again. Uh, and if that ends up being the case, and these guys are wide receiver ones for playoff teams or at least playoff contenders – uh, there, there aren't many realistic paths to that status without having a good fantasy season attached. Right. All right. This is great, man. I didn't know we were brothers in D.D. Westbrook's. This is, this is fun. This is <laughs> hey, good man, stuff. Like you said right at the top, we've been listening to these same beat writers for 80 minutes a week, every week, you and me together. I think we're going to be brothers in a lot of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's one. Uh, uh, actually, we did talk about one of these guys here, but not much. Who has more rushing yards when the season's over, Lamar Jackson or Jordan Howard? <laughs> Oh, I love that one. Uh, and this is another one that I feel no question about whatsoever. Lamar Jackson, easy, easy. Jordan Howard is, I think, 
going to have a very minimal role in that offense by the time we get to you know week eight, about midseason. Uh, I just really believe in Miles Sanders. Uh, Zach Berman from uh, Athletic Philly uh, told us that we should have a lot of reason to believe in Miles Sanders, and I think he's going to be the primary back there uh, for Philadelphia before long. So give me Lamar Jackson and that all day uh, by, I don't know, 150 or 200 yards. Here's a, here's something weird. Well, it's not weird. Let me just It's not off the tracks at all by any means. But you know what? I was thinking about Jordan Howard, and I'm watching – I don't know if you're watching The Boys on uh, – on Amazon? No, I've never heard of it. It's, first of all, it's amazing. Okay. Um, but there's a guy in there called A-Train. And I don't know why, but it clicked in my head, Anthony Thomas. <laughs> and I, like, I look at a guy like Jordan Howard, and I guess because they're both Chicago, and you're a Chicago guy too, so maybe yeah. you have a little more insight on this. Anthony Thomas was like the man. Like He was awesome. He was averaging over four yards a carry. He was very good you know, in the early, in the early aughts. Uh, and then just disappeared. You know, Had, I think, three, maybe two and a half, maybe three and a half good seasons. Um and that was it for Anthony Thomas. And I just feel bad. Like this is, I mean, it kind of seems like Jordan Howard's going the same route. And I don't know if that's an apt comparison, but uh, it seems like it to me. It's just, it's just, uh, this screams Anthony Thomas to me. Maybe as a former Anthony Thomas owner, but uh, <laughs> am I, am I parking up any kind of right tree here with this or, or is it not right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're both downhill runners without a ton of shiftiness uh, that, can get the job done in short yardage situations, but don't do a whole lot else for you that need a lot of volume to get their numbers. And that worked for Anthony Thomas for a spell there uh, in the early 2000s, but that's just not the way the game is today. And that's why I just think Jordan Howard's going to really be on the outs there in Philadelphia before long. And that, uh, I mean, he's not going to totally go away, right? I mean, they, they made a move for him to get him on that team. That was a trade. It wasn't just a free agent signing. So clearly they wanted him as part of the roster when they made the trade, they, you know, didn't know they had Miles Sanders yet, so that gives him a little bit of a knock. But he's still—he's not going to go away entirely. He's going to have a role in the offense. I just find it hard to believe it's going to be like a uh, like a late stage uh, Jerome Bettis uh, fantasy role where it's like, all right, I'll roll him out, and if he gets a touchdown, great. But if he doesn't, he's getting me one point seven points. Man, can you imagine? And I, I doubt this is going to happen, but imagine just everyone is so down on him. If everyone was wrong. <laughs> and week one, the Eagles, and there, you know, I got I got some questions coming up on carries in week one, but week one, the Eagles just go like Jordan Howard, you know, twenty six carries, one hundred and forty yards, two touchdowns. Then what? Like, what happens if he does that in week one? It's going to be fun for us on uh, week one Monday. Yeah, but I mean, like, what do you do then? <laughs> you know, if, if you're the Jordan Howard owner, you're doing backflips because you took a shot on this guy that everyone's down with, uh, down on. I and mean, if you're not, you're just like, you know, what did I miss here? Like, yeah, but if where, you're the Jordan, if you're the Jordan Howard owner, you almost certainly don't have him in your lineup for those uh, 140 yards and two touchdowns. And then I guess if that were, if something like that were to really happen, where Jordan Howard is uh, having a big start to the season, I'm immediately trying to trade him. Uh, whether it's to the Miles Sanders owner or not, I just think that again, really? every everything we've heard from from Philadelphia, everything we've heard about the way this offense is going to run and about Miles Sanders and how excited they are about him, screams that this is a guy who's ultimately going to control the backfield. And we know that Jordan Howard is going to have a role early in the season and that they're going to ease Sanders in. But eventually, this is going to belong, if not entirely to Sanders, at least uh, the plurality of touches are going to be going his way. And Jordan Howard is just not the sort of guy who's going to live on, you know, seven carries a game. He doesn't do anything in the passing game. I mean, he's I really do think he's going to be a touchdown dependent running back before all is said and done this season. This, uh, it would just be interesting. It would just be an interesting. It would definitely be interesting. Point. It would definitely be interesting. You got that right. 
because I don't know if you're like me. Like I just try and get away from the group think, like the fantasy group think. If someone's you know, and then just everyone kind of jumps on, and you're on Twitter, and everyone's kind of trashing the same player. And when I see that, I go the exact opposite direction. I'm like, let me figure out a way this guy can have some kind of success. Yeah, and, and no and one's see- really ever uh, gone broke fading the public. That's for sure. That's it. But no, I mean, no one is coming to Jordan Howard's defense this year. Like I've, I've tried. Like I've looked, and there's not like that dude. You know, like Jeff Johnson from. You know, fantasy whatever.com being like no no here's 17 reasons why jordan howard is gonna have a good season uh, man well maybe uh maybe he'll make us all look foolish in the next couple of weeks but i am not too concerned about it right now all right we'll worry about that bridge <laughs> uh moving on which i believe is to number seven who has more receiving yards this season michael crabtree or mccall hardman oof mm, that's a good one i'll go mccall hardman um, he, he faces a similar issue in Kansas City that we were talking about earlier. Uh, but I just think that you know, when they drafted him, you know, they weren't sure exactly what was going to happen with Tyreek Hill. But I, I also don't think you make a move like that to be a pure. If Hill suspended, we're good. If he's not, then you know we'll see you in 2020, McColl. I think we're going to still have plenty of usage for him in that Chiefs offense this season. As for Crabtree, I mean, that to me feels like depth more than anything. Uh, Hardman feels like a weapon. Crabtree feels like depth. In that, nine times out of ten, I'm going to bet on the weapon. So I'll go McCole Hardman then, that one. This is a, this is an interesting one for me because I think Michael Crabtree, um, Scott Bordeaux was actually pretty uh, bullish on him. Sorry, I, was good. I had to get the right animal. Bullish, <laughs> bullish on Michael Crabtree um, to the point where I think if we would have talked to him today instead of a, a few weeks ago, uh, we would have gotten some good stuff on Crabtree as opposed to Keyshawn Johnson. Right, right. But that's, that's another offense where, like, they're going to want to work those guys in. Uh, I mean, they the, the, when the, the draft capital they spent on those guys, you got to figure that they're going to want to get all those guys in the offense. Uh, David Johnson, a huge volume running back. Larry Fitzgerald still doing his thing. Christian Kirk, a potential uh, breakout player there. I, I just don't think that, you know, Michael Crabtree – from my reading of it, is going to be asked to play anything more than a you know wide receiver three depthy sort of role, and for that, I just worry about what his production can be if he's only getting you know five and a half targets a game. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's a Crabtree I've had on teams you know for years, and then I just the last several years when even there's that glimmer of hope, I'm just out. Like I don't even consider him <laughs> anymore. This is just watch him go nuts, but I, I can't. I just I, he can go nuts on someone else's team. If yeah. he wants to have that 1100 yard resurrection season, that's that's cool on someone else's team. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not I also am not getting uh, myself invested in that possibility. Uh me either. I'm I'm okay with McCole. the the upside and excitement in McCole Hardman works for me without question. How many games does Melvin Gordon play this year? So what's the exact deal there? He needs he, he needs the half season to accrue. Right. I think we basically, I think we basically take, well, the thing is like Le'Veon Bell's situation last year was different than Ezekiel Elliott's and Melvin Gordon's now. Yeah. Yeah. All these different contracts. Yeah. Right. So I will say that it is not going to be a Le'Veon Bell situation that he will come back at some point this year, but I don't think we see him for more than six games. Who's going to have a better season, Kareem Hunt or Melvin Gordon? Melvin this is a follow up. This is not an official question. Melvin Gordon. I mean, they're coming back at the exact same time. Yeah. I'll take uh, theoretically Melvin is going to be on a team that he is going to be the running back one, even when he comes back, even if it is still the chargers. Um, That's not going to be the case for Kareem hunt, who is for sure playing behind Nick Chubb 
So I'll take Melvin Gordon in that one. Who leads the New York Giants in receiving yards this season? Um, and it's okay. Saquon Barkley is involved in this conversation. <laughs> We're not taking anyone out of the question. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Sterling Shepard. All right. Yeah. The, with you don't it, sound jazzed. You sound very res- like resigned. Oh, I, I've got – I want to say off the top of my head that I have zero shares in the New York Giants offense this season. That's a team that I was avoiding – uh, all summer long. So uh, I just really had no uh, Evan Ingram? interest. You, know, you seem like an Evan Ingram kind of guy. I would have been in that. That, that was more happenstance. That, that wasn't an active avoid situation for me. That was just, you know, leagues where it just didn't, you know, just didn't work out, didn't pan out for me to get Evan Ingram. Um, so I just have not been excited about this offense really at all. But I don't know. Sterling, Sterling Shepard going to be good for week one. Should be the top receiver in that offense. I could see him leading that team with, you know, 960 yards. Receiving, not a thousand yards. So no giant will go over a thousand yards. You know, put him at put him put him shy. No, no one in that offense has a thousand yards receiving. Um, I guess I I could have made this its own question, but you made me think of evident when, when it gets to a certain point. And I've done this. I've gotten both of these guys on my team before because I kind of like how it looks. With one of them is a flex. I've read a lot of Michael Selfino and his whole you know T twelve equals wide receiver thirty stuff. Uh-huh. Um, OJ Howard or Evan Ingram? OJ Howard. Yeah. Better player, much better offense. All right. That was just an aside. Uh, moving <laughs> along. Who has more total yards this season, Jalen Richard or Darwin Thompson? Jalen Richard, one of my most owned players. I could not believe uh, how far down the rankings he was at the start of the summer. I could believe even less how little he moved up those rankings as the summer wore on. This guy had 81 targets last year. Caught 63 passes, I want to say off the top of my head. 607 receiving yards and somehow didn't score a touchdown. I mean, if he repeats those numbers again, he is going to easily find the end zone a couple of times. And there's no one there to take really those away from him. I mean, Josh Jacobs is going to be a guy, but I don't think they're going to really deploy him as a receiver all that much, especially when they've got a guy like Jalen Richard. Sure, Antonio Brown takes a lot of targets off the table for everyone in Oakland, but still, Jalen Richard proved the sort of uh, weapon he can be out of the backfield last season, and I think Oakland would be foolish to go away from that. He was one of my favorite endgame targets this entire draft season. Big Jalen Richard guy. Are you uh, are you viewing him as a PPR flex like every week, or is he more of just a uh, like Jalen Samuels? He bring him up when you have to. Uh, for are me, you that excited about Jalen Richard? Yeah, I could. I in a full PPR, I could. I could see him being a flex guy every single week. Uh, anything less than full PPR, no. Even half PPR, just not enough juice there uh, to get him into the lineup every single week. But I love him as a bi week fill in. Uh, it, it, when when that part of the season hits, or as a, as an injury uh, insurance guy, just in case you know the the worst befalls my roster, I think Jalen Richard is a very solid guy uh, who you know exactly what you're going to be getting out of, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up another season where he goes you know seventy grabs on ninety targets for seven hundred something yards and four touchdowns. Uh, it's, what like, do you know, think? It's, like, it's like him, Naeem Hines, Tariq Cohen. I look at all those guys as basically the same, and Richard was nowhere near the draft stock of those other two. That's a good point. Um, where do you think uh, Jalen Richard's ownership is going to be in week six? And I ask this because if it's like, is he the kind of guy who everyone's going to take notice of, like you say, and putting that Tariq Cohen, uh, Tariq Cohen company, and he'll be you know 86% owned in CBS leagues by week six? Or is he the guy who's just going to sneakily accumulate value 
Um, and no one's really going to notice until the season's over and be like, how did Jalen Rashard have 1,200 total yards this year? <laughs> like one of those things. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of those guys who is for – so like apologies to Jake – uh, right now, uh, one of those <laughs> love guys. When who, love when sentences start with that. Right, one of those guys who is just hovering around like the the ownership rate threshold that we use in waiver columns, and so you have to write about him every week to be comprehensive. But you get sick of writing about him by like week five. You're just banging your head against the wall. Why aren't more people picking this guy up? I think Jake's going to have that with Jalen Richard this year. Somewhere is where his, his ownership rate is going to live in the forty five to fifty five percent range all season. All right, interesting. Cool. Uh, <laughs> moving along. Would you rather have Ben Roethlisberger or Matt Ryan as your quarterback? Matt Ryan. Um, okay. Just yeah. The, the, the ADP would suggest. Uh, well, I guess they're right. In the, they're right next to each other. Basically. Yeah. Losing AB is a huge, huge thing. Obviously, that uh, no one's splitting the atom by saying that. Uh, Matt Ryan, a little bit more steady coming into this season. Uh, I'm happy with either of them, certainly. But uh, if I can only pick one, I would take Matt Ryan. All right. Uh, let me type that in. Uh, percent chance. Here's a new one. Percent chance. Duke Johnson has 1,000 total yards this season. Oh, it's got to be pretty good, right? Um, I don't know. You tell me. Like 70 to 75. All right. I'll put you down for (laughs) 72.5. I love it. (laughs) I don't know. Well, I think people might be a little afraid. You know, you got another running back coming in. It's not Uh just the Duke Johnson show anymore. Uh, For whatever reason... Oh, man, you know what? I forgot to slack Aaron Rice. This is the cool thing about working where we are. A little behind the scenes. Um, I can just shoot a slack to some people and just be like, hey, can you just tell me what's going on here? And, you know, 99 times out of 100, I'll put it somewhere out there for everyone to read because yeah. it's good information and I don't hoard stuff. Um, but I did want to know more about Taiwan Jones because they kept talking about Taiwan Jones. Taiwan Jones this. Anytime Bill O'Brien would just say Taiwan Jones did great. Um, I thought that was so strange. Like yeah. I like Taiwan Jones, I remember from obviously because he's got a cool name, but I remember from like his back and forth between running back and then he was a safety for a little while and he was a running back and safety for a little while. Um, but to specifically bring up Taiwan Jones when they're asking you about things, uh, I just thought it was interesting. It feels like a very summary thing, though, doesn't it? Just like uh, these these coaches are facing the media every day with not a lot to say and a lot that they maybe don't want to say as they're getting ready for the season. And so, you know, they, they all latch onto their pet guys for, for a couple of weeks. And that's what it always felt like to me. I just can't yeah, see but Duke then, Johnson. But then there's like, like a Justin Forsett. You know what I mean? Like you could always, or like a Philip Lindsay, you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's that dude and you're like, Oh, okay. But we didn't hear anything about Philip Lindsay, known. right? We didn't. I mean, Philip Lindsay well, that's was what I'm a, saying. Yeah, it's true. They didn't, he was a total, they didn't talk about him at all. And then week one, it's like, Oh, so Royce Freeman's not the starter, uh, right. okay, and that so that's why I think it's even more of those summer. Like if he, if Taiwan Jones was all Bill O'Brien cracked him up to be, we wouldn't have heard quite as much about Taiwan Jones. Yeah, but you know, here's so here's here's what worries me. Duke Johnson uh, does not know the was is a brand new member of the Houston Texans and some I don't know Bill O'Brien crazy playbook, and he's a complimentary pass catching back anyway, at least in his role so far. Carlos Hyde has no idea what's going on. And meanwhile, you have Taiwan Jones, who knows the system and knows everything and blah, blah, blah. And it goes back, to, again, to me for Darren McFadden back in the day when he couldn't figure out his own blocking scheme in Oakland. And it just, just it tanked him that one season. He was supposed to be amazing. And so incepts Taiwan Jones, knows the system. They know exactly what he can do. He knows exactly what they want. Duke Johnson's going to do the pass catching back. Carlos Hyde is going to be inactive for the first two weeks while he figures out the playbook. And Taiwan Jones is, you know, 26 for 105 and a touchdown. <laughs> I will take that's the what, under. 
And then, but, the, but then what? You know what I mean? But I'm saying like, okay, so Taiwan Jones goes nuts. He's the big week one ad. Uh, and then what? Like, you know, as, as Carlos Hyde learns the playbook and Duke Johnson gets a little more comfortable, his value goes down? Or is this a situation where this is a guy who's been lurking in the shadows who is, you know, going to have a crazy season out of nowhere because it happens every year with one or two players? It does. And, and if that were to happen, then no, I don't think he would suddenly lurk back into the shadows. But that happening is a bridge too far for me to get to right now. Right. I just, you know, that, that happens, you know, in, it, the, you, it does you, happen. Yeah. And Taiwan Jones seems like the perfect <laughs> dude to do it. I can't wait to talk to you about Taiwan Jones on October 1st. I know. I'm not, look, I'm not trying to be the champion of Taiwan Jones <laughs> anymore than you're trying to be the champion of uh, Jordan Howard, but it's just when you put these little pieces together and they start to fall into place, like, Oh, that's interesting. That right there is very interesting. Hey, man, I'm the guy who said right off the top that uh, we shouldn't have to find quantitative reasoning for every single you know world-class athlete suddenly having a great year. Sometimes yeah. those guys just do it because they're world-class athletes and they have that club in their bag. I'm just saying Duke Johnson's going to get more than 1,000 total yards this season. I've got you on there, 72.5%. <laughs> Fill in the blank, Michael Beller. Kalen Balish will have blank standard fantasy points than Kiki Kuti. Uh, QT. Can, Sorry, QT. Can who cares be an answer? Uh, well, no, I need more or less, actually. <laughs> Please. I just, yeah, I, the, those two, those, talk about two guys who I was actively avoiding in a big way in drafts. Uh, I do think Kalen Balaj will have more yards than Kiki Kuti. I'll say, uh, let's call it 273. Oh, I just needed more or, or less. Oh, more. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Me, sorry. Me, he'll, he'll have more or less standard fantasy points than Kiki QT. Oh, give me. Yeah, give me Balaj there. Uh, QT is the wide receiver three on his team in a best case scenario is already hurt again. Yeah. Like, I just did not get the QT love whatsoever. That is a team that is dominated by one wide receiver, then has a second wide receiver who's been like the best per play player in the NFL in his career when he's been healthy in Will Fuller. I just do not, for the life of me, understand the Kiki Kuti love. Maybe if he had never been hurt because of Will Fuller's injury history, then I could understand you know, the argument for Kuti, you know, having that upside and stepping right in and playing the Will Fuller role. But he's had just as extensive an injury history as Will Fuller. Maybe not quite as serious, not, not as serious of injuries, but has been banged up every single year he's been in the league. I don't get it at all. At least Kalen Balaj has a line on a timeshare, on a, like a 50-50 timeshare in the Miami backfield. So I'll take Balaj there. You know who you should talk to is your uh, podcast co-host, Emery Hunt, because he wrote one of the more popular stories last year. was this, was The week uh, the week QT showed up, he did something on him and saying he's a great route runner. Like, look out for him. He's going to be great. And in typical Emery fashion, like, you know, four days later, he blew up and he was amazing. And Emery was right. Um, hey man, well, Emery and I, uh, Emery and I are um, recording the advanced route uh, later this afternoon, so maybe I, uh, maybe I will ask him about that. Drop him in the rundown, man, because I mean, he it might be a, a like he called it basically. He was one of the guys he called last year, but now like with all the stuff you're like he's hurt again, it's annoying, whatever, whatever. You know, Will Fuller's back in the mix. It might be more of an interesting uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. Well, Emery I mean, deals calling it was amazing, but you know. Emery deals more in realities where we have to deal in likelihoods, right? I mean, Emery's got the X's and O's brain, and he can say, listen, Kuti's been hurt, but he does this, he does this, he does this, and when he stays healthy, here's how he and Deshaun Watson are going to work together. Right. We can say, that's all fine and well, Emery, and you know much more about, you've forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, but 
I need to deal in likelihoods. And because of DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and Kuti's injury history, I just don't find it all that likely that he's going to be a top 50 fantasy receiver. Right. Right. But it's still good. I mean, if, you know, if he's at the, dangling at the, you know, number five bench spot on your roster and Will Fuller gets hurt, which he does, at least I have that information being like, you know, he's worth holding on to. Anyway yeah. Because, uh, you know, he's good. Totally. I hear you. All right. Uh, last one that I got here. Um, and then we can either, we can, you know, I think we'll just run through the deep names after that. Um, and then we got 10 questions from Michael Beller. Uh, last year, five running backs got 20 plus carries in week one. It was Connor Peterson, Hyde, Lamar Miller, and Todd Gurley, which is a weird group. If you think about it, James Connor, Adrian Peterson, Carlos Hyde, Lamar Miller, and Todd Gurley, all <laughs> getting 20 plus carries in week one. Those are the only five. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'd be kind of interested to see what the projections say this year. And I went to CBS because I don't know why I just like I, CBS is the most comfortable way of looking things up for me. Sure. They have nobody projected. I mean, they have Nick Nick Chubb for 19.6 rushing attempts. Wow. But after that, but oh, oh excuse me. <laughs> but after that, Saquon Barkley, 16.8. Chris Carson, 16.5. Sony Michelle, 15.7. Fournette, 15.6. Um, you know, and then just, just obviously goes down after that. Uh, so here's my question to you, Michael Beller. Give me the number of running backs with 20-plus carries in week one this year. It's not going to be zero. Um, obviously, projections. I guess have... technically Chubb is, if you round up, <laughs> 20. Uh, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say four. I'll say three that don't surprise us, and then one in the uh, Adrian Peterson, Carlos Hyde mold of last year, where a guy comes totally out of nowhere and you know puts up a twenty-one carry, ninety-six yard, one touchdown game. Um, feels like the right amount. I mean, obviously, like. Like, yeah, I mean, like you said, Hyde could very, excuse me, uh, Chubb could very easily get over that 20. I mean, you look at how many teams are favored playing at home with bell cow running backs. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but you got to figure that at least a couple of those guys are going to hit the 20 point or the 20 carry mark. So I'll say, uh, I'll say it, it lands on four this season and that none of them are Taiwan Jones. I wonder who the surprise will be. Peyton Barber. How about Peyton Barber's? See, yeah, Peyton Barber's a good one. That's a good, like, what the hell? 20 carries for Peyton Barber. That's a, that, that's a good one for sure. How about Tevin Coleman? Yeah, but that, see that, that that would be a hard one just because of because you know like he might not be healthy forever, but Matt Breed is healthy right now. Yeah, that's true. All right, would be interesting. I'd like to see how this shakes yeah. out. Josh Jacobs could right. I mean, Oakland's playing at home, aren't they against Denver? Yeah, but I mean, Josh Jacobs seems obvious, right? Yeah, but I'm to just, a degree, to a degree. Yeah, but I'm just saying like that, that's like a that's more the guy that I was figuring in the other mold, the uh, like home favorite. Who wins? Oh yeah, okay, gotcha. Right, like Chubb fits that. Um, Hyde certainly fits that. Um, Chris Carson, I think, could easily get over that. Uh, Dalvin Cook. So you know, between those guys who are all home favorites, playing in or excuse me, home favorites and bell cow running backs, a few of them are going to break through. Yeah, Dalvin uh, Cook projected for thirteen point six, sixty eight point six rushing yards, half a touchdown. Wow. Yeah, Dalvin no. Cook's going to go over that week one. And 27 receiving yards. Yeah. Give me the over. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that seems like one that stands out. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, let me run through these, these deep names uh, that we kind of started out with. I just want to, if, if any stand out to you here. This, this was my list. It was not, this that I composed during all of our shows. Literally, while they were still talking, I was typing the names into my phone. Dontrell Hilliard, Jalen Samuels, Darius Shepard, who made the team, uh, Tim Patrick, Ryan Switzer, Chris Conley, Chris Moore, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Terry McLaurin, 
and our boy Reggie Bonafong. Terry McLaurin's the one on this list that jumps out to me the most, who I've been doing that late ad thing in a lot of leagues where I've already drafted, um, especially with uh, Josh Doxson now gone. I, Terry McLaurin seems like a very obvious player that people should have on their teams. They're going to have to throw to someone, right? And this is if, if Gruden really is coaching for his job and he's going in with this wide receiving core, um, you're going to have a lot of faith in what you still have left. And I think it's going to be Terry McLaurin. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm with you completely on Terry McLaurin. He's the one that really jumps out from that list of guys. And I think you can make an argument for a lot of them being meaningful fantasy guys. But he's the one where you don't have to do too much mental gymnastics to get there. Um, our guy Emery loves Terry McLaurin. We were talking about uh, rookie wide receivers in a show earlier this uh, this summer. And he was big on Terry McLaurin. He's also big on Dwayne Haskins. McLaurin's college and pro teammate. So yeah. if and when Haskins takes over that job, you got to think there's going to be a level of comfort that they brought over from Ohio State to DC with them. Uh, I really uh, am in on McLaurin in a big way. So and like you said, especially with Doxon gone, like he feels like the obvious candidate to be that team's leading receiver. I got uh, who was the guy, and this is five six years ago, maybe more, on Detroit, who is Matthew Stafford's. Uh, college teammate. Oh my god! It was like David Kirkus. Was that it? It was someone. Man, I wish you could, that's. I got fooled into that one a couple times. Yeah. Well, that that's like one of the best things ever, right? It was uh, last year. It was God. I. Oh my god! This is gonna kill me now. This this Stafford one because it was so ridiculous. It was like ridiculous on its face. And yeah. I can't remember who it was, but then last two years ago, uh, it was C.J. Beathard and George Kittle. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> right, and we were right about George Kittle. Uh, couldn't carry C.J. Beathard along, but we were right about George Kittle being good. And now it's uh, so, you know, uh, Georgia guys, and then you know, Iowa guys, and now Ohio State guys. So I guess the Big Ten is taking the lead in that narrative. That's it's, it's so far one for two. Uh, isn't, <laughs> yeah. isn't the greatest narrative? It's all, but... it's all on Haskins and McLaurin. We can, we have a, we can <laughs> yeah. have a definitive double-blind study and have it, we can publish it after this year, depending on what those two guys do. Tell you what, though, talking to Ben, uh, Ben Standig, I, like Case Keenum also shot up my list a little bit in two quarterback super flex leagues. Uh, Case Keenum became a target of mine uh, just because of the way he was saying, like it doesn't, I mean, he was kind of not very crazy about Dwayne Haskins and what he's done so far this preseason. Yeah. I, I guess that, that was when he was saying like, is Gruden coaching for his future? Because if he is like, you got to think that he wants to at least give Haskins a shot. If he has a little bit more leash than it seems like, then maybe Keenum gets to go a little longer. And obviously that's going to be something that's totally determined by the on-field play for the team as a whole. Uh, it's hard to see them going away from Keenum if they're a surprise 3-1 and one to start the season. So that's yeah. one that's really going to be up in the air all year long. I just think that, excuse me, not all year long, but the first you know four or five weeks of the year, just really think that ultimately, I mean, you know, the, the days of, Brett Favre and Steve McNair sitting on the sidelines for a full season as an understudy are totally gone, uh, right? And you, you throw these guys in the fire right away, and I just don't see any reason to doubt that recent history uh, in Washington this year. All right. I, uh, I don't know. I got That show is – you know what? I don't know if we've gotten stronger as gone along or what, but that, that Washington show was one of my favorites. Um, I think because we kind of – we got into the coaching stuff. Yeah. You know, like starting to speculate on an offensive coordinator taking over for the new coach six games in was kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah, and Ben's good. Ben's a fantasy uh, guy, so anyway. that that helps too. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that's that's it for the the small. You know, although the way <laughs> the way Carolina shook out their cuts, 
Reggie Bonifant is basically the backup right now. Cameron Artis yeah. Payne is gone. So you have a carbon copy of Christian McCaffrey as your backup. Yeah. That's jo- interesting. That could play out in a way that like Jordan just looks like a genius down in Carolina by the end of the season. Well, now she, I've, I've jumped on that train very quietly. I've just kind of <laughs> yeah. She was, she like, might have yeah. struggled with that for sure. Yeah, hey, we're doing this together, right, Jordan? <laughs> uh, all right, let's do a little getting to know Michael Beller. I got ten questions. Uh, Beller asked for him, so I made him as weird as possible. Um, <laughs> that's not true. I didn't do that. Uh, number one, what's the better league setup for you, Superflex or two quarterbacks? Uh, Superflex. I mean, I love. I only want to play in two quarterback leagues, uh, but uh, you got to give people an out just in case. You know, like if a guy has two quarterbacks suffer injuries, right? He's hurting enough as it is. Let him start a running back in that spot. So give me Superflex. Number two, how early is too early for Halloween stuff at Walmart? Mm, September, anything. That should start October first. Yeah, October first. Boom. Let's do it. You don't really need much time to. You know, buy some paper decorations and some candy. Okay, number three, favorite band. This is a big one. This is one I did ask for because I'm a big yeah, music guy. Requested. This is a this is a request. I've been trying to get that train going. I've been sending these questions to our guests and be like, if you got any requests, you want to ask, if you want any of these to be on there for sure, just let us know. And they're like, nah, we're good, whatever. But yeah. I was like, all right, well, I'll I'll, I'll make a request. Um, I'm a huge classic rock fan. I love, love, love classic rock. It's my favorite genre of music by far. Uh, and I have two bands that I can't really separate. Uh, one is the Rolling Stones, just the best rock and roll band that ever existed. And the other is the band. Uh, no level of musicianship can be matched outside of what those five guys brought together. So the Stones and the band are my two favorite bands. And then from there, I go CCR, Skinner, Cream, bands like that. But huge classic rock fan. You thought this out. Yeah. Oh, I've thought this out for, well, I, I turned 35 tomorrow, in fact. So I would say I've been thinking this out for, I mean, I didn't like classic rock out of the out of the cradle, but uh, I've been thinking this out for probably 19 or 20 years by now. You know, I, uh, I'm i done with the, Ro- the Rolling Stones. I remember in college, I think it was college, 1999, maybe 2000, whatever it was, uh, saved up my money. And like, you know, you're a college kid. You don't have a lot of money. I was working at Boston College Dining Services um, for the Rolling Stones final tour. Right, like their final. It's a, it's the I forget what it was called, like no access or something. I don't know, but it was built like their final tour, the retirement tour. I spent a ton of money, went to Worcester, Massachusetts, sat all the way up top in like the back row just to see them in their final show. And then like next summer they played again. I just I hate. I'm like I'm not. Yeah. You know I'm not gonna be fooled by this again. I'm done. It was it was so their final show that I've seen them three times in my life, and the first of those shows was like 2005. Yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> Screw them. I just saw them this uh, summer. It was excellent. It was a great show. Yeah, I don't care. I'm done with them. <laughs> Number four, uh, which house would you be sorted into at Hogwarts? Oh, man. That's a question for my wife. I don't know anything about uh, Harry Potter. I've seen some of the movies, but uh, I we'll do. just say Slytherin. Slytherin. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ask your wife about that. Uh, Michael Beller, what's your favorite beer? Uh, well, I am uh, blessed to uh, live in a city with excellent breweries. Uh, so if you're ever coming through Chicago, I would strongly recommend uh, Revolution Brewery, Dovetail Brewery, Beguile Brewer- Brewery. It's a hard word to say a few times in a row. Um, great breweries here in Chicago. And I love, uh, I'm a big IPA guy. So uh, all those have very good offerings. And then I'll throw some love to uh, uh, up north uh, where I went to school at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, spotted cow is always a, a very nice choice. All right. Uh, what's your favorite pie, apple or pumpkin? 
Um, so I'm going to just throw my own third thing in here because I'm not a huge fan of either of those, but I love like berry pies. I love like a mixed berry pie that's got, you know, like blueberries and raspberries and blackberries in it. That's my go-to pie if I'm eating one. I believe there's one that's like the forest, black forest berry. I don't know. They make it at this place called Bingham's in Scranton. Mm. I love it. Well, uh, anyway, it uh, here, here's an answer. Should there be vetoes in fantasy football? Absolutely not. 100% no. Who are you to tell team X that you know better what their team should be doing than they do. 100% no. Veto vetoes. Did you ever have Matt Asiata on any of your teams? Um, gosh, I honestly don't remember. I assume I did because I assume everyone did at some point. That There was that one year where he was probably owned by like four different teams in every single league. So I'm going to say um, unsure, but likely yes. Uh, when's the earliest you'll accept a trade? In fantasy football, I'll accept a trade today if it's a good trade offer. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ready to wheel and deal right off the bat. And number ten, uh, what's your highest all-time bowling score? Oh, this is a good one. I, I fancy myself a much better bowler than I actually am because I just really enjoy it, and I have a few friends who are good bowlers, and so I always want to go in there and beat them, and I end up losing to them ninety percent of the time. Uh, but my highest career score is one eighty-four. Wow, that's impressive. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that was number 10, Beller. That, that was not by request, even though you got very excited about the bowling one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I know yeah, you've been Westerners. You told me, you told me that you had been working on some new questions too. Uh, so, and that was a totally new one. So it was, I was yeah. excited to answer it. And it was just, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard some of the same questions like 10 or 12 times now. So it was fun to get some new ones in the mix. Well, I like to keep, I like to keep it like a little steady, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, it's nice to have that one red thread through the entire PBC season, but uh, I like the new ones. I think our guests next week and throughout the season are going to like some of those, too. So, well, wait, once I mean, once we start getting towards the holidays, everything changes. Now that we're, you know, that we're in autumn, we get some autumn themed questions. Uh, you know, Halloween creeps in. I got a lot of Halloween stuff in the tank. Seasonal um, getting to know you. I like that. Yeah. Oh, those are the best ones, man. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, anyway. Yeah, good times, man. Um, I hope this is helpful to everybody listening. These are these are some good names. I didn't mean this to be like a recap of everything we talked about at PBC so far. So, uh, you know, it's been a great show, but this was a fantasy standalone show. And by the way, next show, Beller's hosting. I'm off. I'm at an event all day on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be me and Mike Sando. So should have uh, we got one of our uh, heaviest NFL hitters coming on the show uh, for the Thursday episode. I'll slide into the, the host chair and then uh, – you know, we'll have Bears Packers that night and the season will be off and running and we'll be back at you with our more typical uh, podcast by committee programming next week. He's a fantasy guy, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all for joining us on podcast by committee. Uh, obviously, if you like what you're hearing, if you stumbled upon us by accident and you're listening on uh, you know, iTunes, give it a subscribe. You know, I, mean, I don't think we get judged by the subscribe numbers, but it's more for you not wanting to miss any of this valuable information that our beat writer is going to be giving us. So, uh, you know, jump on that. Have some fun. Enjoy it. Good luck with your season. And we'll talk to you later.